the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in Galatians chapter 5, we have a clear look at what the Spirit-filled life looks like, according to the Apostle Paul. We're continuing our examination of this passage here today on Abounding Grace. Join us. And again, welcome to the program. This is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're looking at the Spirit-filled life here today, and this passage of Scripture is just rich with content, direction, insight, and understanding in the truth about our Spirit-filled life and what it should look like. Please join us for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary. Paul describes in the exhortations in verses 25 through 32 the kind of life that everyone should live that brings peace and order and prosperity and freedom when people do live that kind of life. But he proceeds by telling us that no one can live that kind of life unless they die to the power of sin and are risen to newness of life because no one else can put off the old and put on the new. They are being renewed in the inner man by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they can now be what God says they are. Now they can live consistently with this new life that God has given them. And in the power of that new life, they can put off the old habits and tendencies that once dominated them. And they can put on the new virtues, the new qualities, the new ways of life that are pleasing to God. But it is because of Christ and His Spirit. It is not because of anything we are or have done. All right, now let's go back to Galatians for a minute and the verse that tells us the way to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Those who belong to Christ and have experienced transformational power by His Spirit have, the moment they were born again, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They made a radical, total break with everything they were because God in the power of the Spirit, crucified them to that old sinful nature. In other words, to crucify the passions of your life. Those words were used to identify us with the cross of Christ and the passion of Christ. You can't do what this verse tells you to do without the cross of Christ. And to say that we are to crucify the lust of the flesh is not to say that we will fully succeed in destroying the last remnant of our sinful nature in this life, or as Abraham Kuyper said, that famous prime minister of Holland, listen to this carefully, God's child remains the old man's gravedigger until the hour of his own departure. You and I are continually digging that grave for what we once were, that old man. In other words... 
having had your own, your old deprived self nailed to the cross, so you are no longer enslaved. Now, your responsibility, so to speak, is to keep him nailed to that cross. And you have the power, when fleshly lusts come into your life, to tempt you to go off the path and to satisfy yourself, not to please the Lord, but to have the power to crucify those sinful desires, to kill them, to say no to them. But when you crucify those fleshly passions, those fleshy desires, you must show no mercy to yourself. Don't enjoy sinful temptations before you rid yourself of them. Be pitiless in the way you deal with your own sin. And when you crucify all those old sinful passions, you say no to them and you turn from them. It will be painful. Because you are going to be tearing from your bosom things that the remaining flesh within you loves and delights in. But this crucifixion of the flesh must be decisive. It must not be a gradual thing. It must be decisive. And it took place the moment you believed. John Stott has a way of expressing it that I thought would be very helpful to us. He said, once a criminal had been nailed to the cross, he was left there to die. The Greek word for crucified in our text is in the aorist tense, indicating a specific moment in time of something we did decisively at the moment of our conversion. That is, when you did, when... Did, that is, when did you crucify your flesh, your flesh? There was a pinpoint moment in time when you did it. And that was at the moment of your conversion. And we did it because God's word in us had already been placed into our heart. When we came to Jesus Christ, we repented We crucified everything we knew to be wrong. We took our old self-centered nature with all of its sinful passions and beliefs and we nailed them to the cross. And this repentance of ours was decisive. It was as decisive as that crucifixion. So Paul says if we crucified the flesh, the old sinful nature that once dominated us, we must leave it there on the cross to die. We must renew every day this attitude towards sin of ruthless and uncompromising rejection. We have crucified the flesh and we are never going to draw out the nails that hold it on the cross. Do you understand that? In other words, this crucifixion of the flesh was an essential element of our conversion when we repented of our sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And why did we repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? It was God who had already done a prior work in our heart of crucifying our flesh, of setting us free from the power of sin, of raising us to newness of life. So once that happened, and as soon as that happened, in fact, the moment that happened, we reached out from our spiritual deadness into spiritual life and we repented of our sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and decisively turned from everything we were before that moment. 
and without that decisive crucifying of the flesh, a turning from everything that dominated us, that displeased God in our lives before we were converted, without that crucifixion of the flesh, we haven't really repented. That is of the essence of repentance. That is the essence of the radical self-renunciation that Christ talked about when he said, if anyone is going to be my disciple, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. That must be this decisive break with everything we were before. We must do it. We must make the decision to do it. We must exercise our will in doing it. We must choose to do it. We must do it and break with everything in our lives that once dominated us before we were converted. Why can we do it? It is because God has already begun a good work in us, enabling us to do what he has called us to do. We were joined to Christ. We were made new creatures by virtue of that union, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So because of that, we are able to make this decisive break and crucify the old passions and drives of our former lives and dedicate ourselves to the service of God. So you see that means... Becoming a Christian is anything other than just a stroll up the aisle making a decision to follow Jesus. You become a Christian when that decisive break is made and not before. It is something God does in you. But listen, it is not something God does for you. He is not going to repent for you. He gives you the gift of repentance, or might I say the ability to repent. He gives the gift of faith, but he is not going to believe in Jesus for you. You've got to choose to do it yourself. And once he has given you the grace to transform your life and to repent and to believe, you will want to. You will repent and make the decisive break. You will crucify the flesh. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Rest upon him alone for salvation. And give your life completely in service to him. And then, every day of your life, you will renew that commitment. Every day of your life, you will see, Lord, if there are things in my life that are there and are not supposed to be, if there are sins in my life that I am just letting alone and not dealing with, may they be nailed to the cross as well. If there are some areas of my life where I'm not manifesting Christ's likeness, Lord, today, by the power of your strength, show me what they are and help me begin to do so. If I am not trusting your promises and resting on Christ alone as I should, if there is any area of my life where I am still trusting in myself to get things done, I repent of those things. Oh, give me the strength this very day to rest upon Christ alone for salvation. That is the key. That is the starting point for living a spirit-filled life. Without that, it is absolutely impossible to keep from being controlled and dominated by sinful passions. Without that experience, without that blessing, it is absolutely impossible to live any kind of life that is pleasing to our God, much less manifest that wonderful fruit of the Spirit, that Christ-likeness that Christians are to manifest. 
So how do we live a life of victory over sin and temptation? How do we live a life of manifesting Christ's likeness and Christ's virtues in our life? A life of obedience and service to him so that other people can see? We have to begin with the crucifixion of self. It's not something you can up and do yourself in your own strength. It's not until God does a work in your life. But once God does that work in your life, there is absolutely no excuse thereafter to allow our one sinful impulse and one sinful desire to remain uncrucified. Then there is a second aspect of the way to victory. Not only does he say in chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 24, that those of us who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires, but, it, but he says in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So if we're going to live victorious lives, we must walk in the Spirit of God as we are being led by the Spirit of God. Now notice all the references to the Holy Spirit in our text. Go back to verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, we don't have time to talk about the leading of the Spirit, but Lord willing, we will talk about it next week. Now, look at verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So, we are told here to walk by the Spirit. We are, tell, we are told that we are being led by the Spirit. We are to live by the Spirit, and then we are told in verse 25, once again, to walk by the Spirit. So what is it to walk by the Spirit? The Greek phrase can be translated correctly a couple of ways. To walk by the Spirit or to walk in the Spirit. But the point is, what does it mean? And to notice what it says in verse 16, that if we walk in the Spirit or we walk by the Spirit, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. We will win the war that is raging in our breast. Now, this flesh that is out to destroy us and out to get us to sin against God will win the battle. Not only when we die, but throughout our lives, if we do not walk in the Spirit. But if we walk in the Spirit in this life, we will not be dominated by the desires of the flesh, it says. Now notice that, that verb, walk, is a present tense verb. And whenever the Greeks used the present tense, it meant continuous, constant action. So what the exhortation is here, this picture is, we keep on walking continuously and habitually by the Spirit. And we will, not be, we will not habitually give in to the desires and impulses and appetites of our fallen human nature. And it says in verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, the Holy Spirit is our leader and we are to follow Him based on God's law. But that doesn't imply only a kind of passing yielding on our part. Many people, when they start talking about the Holy Spirit bring into the subject the passivity. That is, the Christian life is just simply leaning back and yielding up to the Holy Spirit. As I've said before, He is the hand, and we're just the glove that's being moved along. And there is no exertion on our part, no effort. It's just a yielding up and lead, letting the Holy Spirit move us and lead us, and we just go with the flow.
But our text says we must walk with the Spirit. Now, the very imagery of walking implies anything but passivity. It implies the exertion of effort, the exertion of energy, activity. When you walk, you're not standing still. You're not being passive. You are exerting energy, and you are moving step by step toward a goal that you intellectually want to reach and know you are trying to reach. The idea of walking includes effort. It includes progress. It includes making advancement toward the goal that God has set before you. You are walking somewhere. You're not just standing there or running in place. So we are to walk every day of our lives purposefully in and by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, in verse 16, it means to walk daily in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying that he would give us the moment-by-moment desire and ability to live for the pleasure of God. That is what the Holy Spirit does within us. To walk in the Holy Spirit means to depend upon the Spirit, the Spirit in our daily walk as we exert energy of living lives day in and day out toward the goal that God has set for us. We know that we don't have enough strength in ourselves to make any advances in this life, to walk the straight and narrow, to reach the goal Christ has set before us. So we walk in the Spirit's power in conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit to do within us what we can't do in and of ourselves. Just like we couldn't set ourselves free from the chains of sins, He did. Just like we could not raise ourselves from spiritual death to newness of life, He did. So now having come into our hearts, He gives us the strength to walk day by day doing what God, what pleases God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We we keep coming back to these verses time and again because they are so vital in helping us to understand the Christian faith. And it says in the first four verses, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law or the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law or power of sin and death, For the law couldn't do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So in those words, you see why God removed the condemnation, why the spirit of life broke the power of sin and death over us. Why Jesus Christ laid down his life as a sacrifice for us. Verse 4. In order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Not for us, but in us. What is the requirement of the law? It is obedience. It's righteousness. So as far as we are concerned. The purpose for which the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth and saved us along with the Spirit was not just to keep us from going to hell when we die, but we might live lives in His power that are obedient to God. Now, how can we do that? Look at the rest of verse 4 of Romans 8. In order that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
those who do not rest in the strength that we have alone, that we are able to muster up, which is nothing, but who walks and lives every day in conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit, who lives within us as redeemed people, who are no longer condemned by God's law because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is it to walk in or by the Holy Spirit? Is to walk in conscious daily dependence on Him to enable us to resist sin and the faithful and be faithful Christians. Because we know that without His assistance and power, we can't do it. In Colossians 3, it says, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you need to be filled with the Word of God. And the consequences of that is that you will live in the power of the Holy Spirit richly. And if you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be certain results, which is like making melody in your hearts, being grateful to the Lord and living to please Him. So the point is, if being filled with the Holy Spirit gets these results, and if letting the Word of God dwell in you richly has the same consequences then that means the Holy Spirit-filled Christian is the Word-filled Christian. And the Word-filled Christian is the Spirit-filled Christian. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and His resources, you fill yourself with the Word of God. You read it. You pray over it. You believe it. You apply it to your life. You let it search and try you. You commit yourself to it. You open yourself up and make yourself vulnerable to its influence and to its unique teachings. And you will find that you are then filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing kills pride. And nothing kills the lust of the flesh like walking in the Holy Spirit's powerful, controlling, leading with clear and certain views of revealed truth, accompanied with strong spiritual desires and following the applications of all the teachings of the Word of God to their practical conclusion. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit... Don't search for some emotional and material experiences hundreds of thousands of people have sought today and have missed. Rather, fill yourself with the Word of God. And, beloved, mix that Word with faith and obedience to it. Do not look beyond the Word of God for life and power anywhere, for living, because it is only by and through that Word that the Holy Spirit works in your life. The only way. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you and praise you, O blessed God, for the Lord Jesus Christ and our union with him, which is the source of our salvation and everything else we have good from you. We thank you for making us new creatures and for breaking the hold of sin on us and giving us new life. We thank you for putting the Holy Spirit within us now enabling us, giving us the desire and the ability to put off the old self day by day and to put on the new, to live in a way that is consistent with what we are in Christ. Forgive us for any time we have let the flesh have its way. We confess there is no excuse for it. Lord, give us the grace to be 
what you have made us to be for Christ's sake. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.